You are listening to the Christian Worship Center podcast. For more information about our church, please visit us at cwcstillwell.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Walk across on dry ground. Trust me because I will even clear the way before you and cause every enemy to fall and be destroyed. I will hold you up and I will deliver you by a very strong hand. Be not discouraged and do not be afraid because I the Lord have spoken and I will bring forth power and glory in your lives and every prodigal shall be returned and you shall declare victory and proclaim liberty to every captive oh because it is my will to perform and declare so trust me and declare and decree what I have spoken to you and stand on my promises and believe my prophets and you shall have great success declare my thoughts and my will and I will do everything that I have shown you trust me come on praise him this more hallelujah well 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 aren't you glad he ain't left us aren't you glad he's still with us thank you Jesus thank you Jesus because I know who I am and I know who I was and it's not you but I can be you because you're in me. I can be you because you're in me. Wherever I go, I can be in you. You're not ashamed. You're not intimidated for me pretending to be you. And I can be you wherever I go. And I thank you for that. Just ask me, Jesus. Just ask me what you will, Jesus. And give me the provision to do it. Brother Marty said something that was real important. He said that... uh, We always say, God will never give me more than I can handle. That's not in your Bible. That's in that religious spirit Bible. I don't know. Everybody's got one. But uh, if you can do it on your own, it's not Jesus. If you can do it by yourself, just you and your wife and your kids and your paycheck and your, your, uh, your limit on your patience and your kindness and your meekness and your long-suffering and your self-control, then you're not doing the work of God. I'm not saying you're doing an evil work. I'm just saying it's not the work of God. Oprah Winfrey does good works. Praise God for her. Right? I want to do the work of Jesus. Right? I want to do the work of Jesus. I didn't do all this 20 years of serving him and getting it right and getting it wrong, working through a fence, offending people I loved and never talking to them again. I ain't been through all this mess to do the work of BJ. Listen, I may never walk on water. I may never see the dead raised, but that don't mean I can't do the work of Jesus. Remember, Jesus said, he said, listen, he said, whenever you gave a drink, whenever you gave somebody some clothes, he said, whenever you gave somebody a place to stay, he said, he said, you've done this to me. So see, when you give, when you give, it's, it's a double whammy because when you give, you're giving like Jesus. And when you give to people, you're giving to Jesus. So you can't go wrong with giving. So you should always be giving. And the, the, the cheapest thing you can do and the most powerful thing you can give is your worship. 
Because see, right now we have a time to give worship that you'll never be able to give again. Not in eternity, not tomorrow. Because right now, whatever you're going through, whether you're cheating on your wife or your wife cheated on you, whoa. Whether your, your kids are lost, your kids are saved, whether you're mourning or dancing, whether you're right or you're wrong, you can give a real sacrifice of worship that you're never able to give again in your life nor in eternity. And today is the only day you can give that, and it costs you nothing. Because you're already paying the price with pain. You're already paying the price with sorrow. You're already paying the price with mourning. You're already paying the price with rejoicing. You might as well turn that into something that's valuable for eternity. You might as well turn it into worship. Because the Bible says says that He bottles it up. He bottles it up and He will keep it forever. And when we get to heaven and you're dancing and running and doing whatever you're going to do, there's going to be something that says this. And the angels will say, you gave this. We couldn't give it. And Jesus will say, I couldn't give it. And the the cherubims and the seraphims will say, I couldn't give it. But you, you can give that worship today. So let's just worship him just one more, one more time, all right? One more time, one more time. One song, one song, one song. One song. He's worthy of one more song. He's worthy of one more song. Oh, Jesus. He is. Think about him. Imagine him there. Use your imagination. These little kids know how to play pretend. You need to remember how to pretend. Pretend he's here. Pretend he's next to you. I don't care if he's white or brown or dark or light or long hair or short hair or dressed in skinny jeans with a cross in the back pocket. I don't care, but just imagine Jesus with you. Oh, he's beautiful. Jesus, Jesus, for 
Jesus. Maybe that's all you got. Just say, Jesus. I've been there when my kids didn't come home. I thought maybe they were dead. All I could say was, Jesus. When God asked me to forgive people, I didn't think I could forgive. All I could say was, Jesus. When I was hurt and devastated by people I loved, all I could say was, Jesus. That's what, that's what is press. See, I don't need another word from God. I need an encounter. Some of y'all got lots of words. Y'all need an encounter. Y'all need a real encounter. The kind that messes you up, messes up your way of thinking, causes you to maybe not ever think about coming to church once again. Because when God encounters you that way, you have to step up and give real forgiveness. You have to step up and give real mercy. You have to step up and be real long-suffering toward those people. You got to go back to work and be real loving. You need an encounter. See, that's what they said. A bunch of them, when he said, whenever you're going to have to take my flesh and drink of my blood, they said, oh, we can't. See, they encountered the body and the blood of Jesus. And they said, hold up, hold up. He said, he looked at everybody else. He said, will you go away too? See, he ain't worried if your church is full or your church is empty. He's worried about if you got relationship. Because Jesus didn't say, oh, please don't go. Oh, please let me. He didn't say, let me do some more fishes and loaves. Let me, let me restate that. Let me, let me soften that up for you. He looked at the other 12 and said, listen, are you going to follow them or are you going to follow me? Oh, Jesus. Telling you, he just wants this. He just wants this. Jesus. That's what he wants. You know why that's what he wants? Because that's what's been going on for eternity in heaven. Worthy. Worthy, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the God who sits on the throne forever and ever. They go around and around and around. Worthy. Worthy is something he's heard his whole life. For eternity past, it's been in his ear. Worthy is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. Worthy is the God who sits on the throne. That's what he's used to. That's what he desires. See, unless we encounter Jesus, we can't give. People don't listen. Now, you got to hear me. I'm not going to explain myself. You're going to have to get in your Bible when I'm done and do some studying. But people don't need another Bible verse. They need to encounter with the guy who wrote the Bible. They need Holy Spirit. See, I don't need another promise about how my children are going to be greater. They have a greater promise than David. I need my children to encounter Holy Spirit. My children know the Bible. They need an encounter with the one who wrote it. He's a man. He's a man. His name is Holy Spirit. I just get stuck loving him. And it drives me to his word. See, I love him out here like this. Then I get home, I want to find out how can I how can I love you back? And you know what it always tells me? Love people as yourself. When I was studying, I've been writing, just writing. Got back to writing. I just write down the conversations me and the father have. And then 
the book of Luke, I wrote a question to God. In Luke chapter 15, verse 1, it says, The memory publicans and sinners, they came to Jesus. They drew near to him. And about 15 years ago, I wrote in my Bible, I went, why? And I've been seeking to answer that question. I've done everything I can. I've handed out tens of thousands of tracts. I've been kicked out of malls. I've done the good. I've done the bad. I've done the ugly. I've done the right. I've done the wrong. I took the right risk, the wrong risk, all because I just want people to draw near to Jesus. You know why? Because because I'm, I'm not worried about your mama and your grandma and your kids. I'm worried about my kids and my mom and my grandma. I ain't got enough time to worry about all your family. i got family that's, that's pre-Christians too. And he answered me after 15 years. <laughs> Reading that scripture and Jesus answered me. And I'd like to share with you for about, I don't know, they said we're going to be done about 4 o'clock. We do it, right? <clears throat> the... Uh, just a minute. If you just give me some time, I'll, I'll respect your time. I, I want to share with you about what God said to me. Y'all be seated. I don't know what my wife's going to do. I just love him. I can't get away from worship. Because it saved my life. Now listen. Salvation set me free. The blood of Jesus set me free. His resurrection empowered me. But worship of him saved my life. Worship is where it's at. Listen, I, I don't, this is going to sound wrong. You have to do some studying because I'm not going to take you back to Bible kindergarten this morning. And if you need that, maybe you should go to children's church. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm just saying I don't need the cross and I don't need the tomb. I need the Holy Spirit. I've experienced the cross. I'm trying to have resurrection power. But if it wasn't for Holy Spirit and worship, it wouldn't matter what I'd done on the cross. It wouldn't have mattered how much power I'd have. I'd be at home an anxious, panic-stricken mess that wasn't able to talk to people or forgive people or reconcile with people. So I need the Holy Spirit more than I need the cross, more than I need His resurrection, because that's what Jesus said. He said, I'm going to go away. He said, there's another one coming. He said, there's another one coming. He said, and when He he comes. You got to pay attention to what Jesus said. We kind of quit worrying about old covenant and all this. You need to get those words in red in your heart before you do anything else. Because if you read the book of Job or Job and you think that's how God is going to be to you, you'll view every word of Jesus through that lens and you'll never have victory. That's right. So I'm telling you, I'll answer your PMs and your DMs, but you're going to have to put your big boy pants or whatever on because, listen, I want people to be born again. And I'm not, I don't know this church, and here's the disclaimer. I'm not talking about your testimony you made this morning. I haven't talked to your pastor. I'm not in your prayer closet. So if I say something to offend you, it's your fault, not my fault. Because I'm not trying to teach you something different. I'm just saying what Jesus said, right? And if you can't forgive me, well, that's okay because that's just how it is. And if we might have to work some stuff out, that's okay because I have kids. I don't know if you have kids, but I got the kind of kids that it doesn't matter what you do to me. I can work through it with you. And you can laugh, but I got some kids. I'm talking about laying in the hospital with a knife wound in your chest, lay awake three nights a week, not knowing if they're going to come home alive. Kids, right? I'm talking about whenever you, <clears throat> I want to talk about grace, but I'm talking about, so the kid that stabbed my boy, I had to pray for him and love him 
and bless him because God taught me that. And if I'd done anything else, it was sin for me. And if you know to bless those that curse you and you don't, it's sin for you too. It ain't, God ain't worried about you committing adultery or smoking legal marijuana now. He worried about are you still in unforgiveness? So I asked Jesus for years, why? Because listen, I'm not, not trying to get on you, but we're going to try food. But we know we eat all the time in church. My daddy still ain't coming. I'm telling you, I've been ostracized out of places for preaching the Ten Commandments and showing people where they sin. That didn't work. I preach tent revivals in foreign countries. I've been everywhere doing everything. You know why? Not because of me, because I get tired of going home where my mama lives and seeing my baby brother still not serving Jesus. That's it. Like I said, I'm not praying for your brother or your mama. Every time I go to my mama's house where she served the Lord faithfully for 40 years and her son is still not receiving an encounter of the Holy One, the church has got to pay attention and maybe do something different. So listen, so we know folks aren't getting saved. Not like the Bible talks about. So we're not doing something right. That doesn't mean we did something wrong. Here's the disclaimer. More doesn't mean lack. Whenever I come to Brother Marty's house and he feeds me, and Sister Pastor cooks me some meatloaf or whatever she cooks, and I eat my plate full, and I say I want more, she doesn't break the plate and say, wow, well, my anointing and my power just wasn't good enough. I guess that one plate I fed you, you my dog. But if I tell your Sunday school, I don't know who your Sunday school teacher is. I tell your Sunday school teacher, that there's more of the gospel, more of God. Well, is it my anointing, my power? Good enough is what I've done. Because we recognize when people want more, we automatically see it's because we lack. That's the devil. That's not Jesus. So the stuff I'm going to talk about is the church needs more. It doesn't mean the church is lacking. There's just more. It's good. There's just more goodness. And you need to learn to receive that word when people come to you too. That's real correction. Telling you, pastor comes to you and said, Hey, I need some. No, no, you just need practice. You've been playing the guitar two years. You just need practice. There's a more. I don't know. You probably got somebody playing the guitar two years here, and that person's really offended. I'm sorry. I'm trying to use examples to where maybe I can stay for the two o'clock service. Because I have been asked in the middle of revivals to please leave. I don't want that because I work in this town. It's different. You know what I'm saying? I'm just telling you. <clears throat> so I asked the Lord, why? Why did people come to you? I tried love. Love is a good thing to study in about eight years of my life. I just studied the love of Jesus. Just it. People thought I lost it. But I was nuts. All I did was study the love of Jesus. You know why? Because it took me eight years to figure out he loved me. <laughs> Sing it my whole life. Jesus. Right, we don't. We need to make that song more prophetic. We quit singing it. We got a church full of people that sang that song their whole life. They don't know Jesus loves them. I'm not trying to say quit singing. Kill them. You get what I'm saying. You know what we need? We need real grace. That's why they came to Jesus. They didn't know he loved them yet. 
because it was grace. It was grace. Now listen, when you talk about grace nowadays, you're going to talk about greasy grace, hyper grace, whatever, you're right. Grace of Jesus is grace is greasy. It's the kind of grace that said Hitler could have repented and went to heaven for burning Jews in the oven. That's the kind of grace there is. God's justice will make you sick to your stomach. Let me tell you that again. God's justice will make you sick to your stomach. And we've got on the bandwagon in this country, we think the man in charge, the man not in charge, we've hooked ourselves to so many wagons, we're looking for real justice. Your God's justice would make you sick to your stomach. He'd be right in the abortion clinic eating lunch with those people with their hands still bloody. Paying for the meal. <laughs> and he wouldn't mention about how they need to get saved or what they was doing wrong. He would just give them grace. If you don't believe it, you need to fall in love with somebody. So much so that you've got to learn to give them grace. Because the truth is, we don't realize how much grace we've been gotten or received. Because you are just as guilty of trampling the graces of God as anybody else on the planet earth today. Because if you think that you deserve the grace of God, you're believing the devil's lie. I don't care how good you've been your whole life. Grace and God's favor is the same. The Bible said that Jesus increased in the favor of God. And I don't know how God can increase in the favor of himself. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says, I'm not going to quote it, said that Jesus increased with favor with man and God. So if Jesus needed to increase in grace. Now listen, I'm talking about the guy who we just drank the cup and the bread. That guy. Now, Brother Marty. We know he needed to give us some grace. Amen. So I heard it explained really easy. Here's the way to. So mercy is, and I stole this from somebody else. You getting pulled over by the highway patrol and him saying, I'm not going to give you a ticket. That's mercy. We all get that, right? But grace is, you get pulled over by the highway patrol and he gives you money. That's the difference. So I'm going to read some scripture to make this a legal message because I think that, you know, here in the Bible, Bill, if you don't do that, then something bad might happen, you know. Your dumplings might have bones in it or something at the potluck. I don't know if y'all have ever got bones in your dumplings, but they ain't nothing worse. I don't even like dumplings, but when you get bones in them, it's like never again. I don't trust I'll climb and jump out of airplanes, eat possums and anything else at Creepy Cross, but I won't eat no dumplings because there might be a bone in it. It ain't nothing worse. Now, if you put bones in your dumplings at the thing today, forgive me. I'm not talking about your dumplings. <laughs> Just saying. <clears throat> it's always that way, brother, Marty. It's always that way. I want to come back. Because y'all eating. I don't care to preach. I just want to eat. Churches, because of COVID, don't eat no more. We don't eat. It's like, oh, we can't eat. We hug and kiss and speak in tongues with each other. We can't have potluck, though. You know what I'm saying? Shame on us. Shame on us for not having a potluck. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7 said, he, he did this, that he might clearly demonstrate through the ages to come the immeasurable, listen, limitless, surpassing, this is Amplified Bible, 
riches of His free grace. That means it's limitless. Like outer space. Like the breath in your lungs, in the air. Right? Now listen. It says, for by grace, you're saved. So if people aren't getting saved, it's a grace problem, not a devil problem. Now listen, that's what we got wrong. We think the devil's so strong because Donald Trump not president or because abortion clinics or because of people dressing like girls in boys' bathrooms. You better close your ears, shut your mouth and your eyes and get into prayer and ask Jesus what he thinks important. I'm not saying you can't stand up for issues of indigenous women missing or you can't stand up, but I'm telling you, Jesus didn't come to Rome and try to take over. I want to see people saved. And the church needs to figure out when they, what they're going to do when a man comes dressed as a woman to the altar. And if we can't, if we can't, then there's something wrong with us. Either the devil was defeated at the cross or it's all a lie. So it cannot be that, listen, we say, oh, the devil's under his foot. Is he? Is he? Because if he's not, then I'm going to go to the bar tomorrow. Because it's all a lie. Either, either he went to the grave and had victory over death, hell, and the grave, or he didn't. He's not letting the devil off the leash so he can sick him on your sick grandma. He's not letting him off the leash so you can have a flat tire when you didn't pay your tithes. The devil is defeated. So the reason people aren't getting saved is not the devil's fault. Let me say that. You know how come I know that? There's a guy in the Bible, and I hate it because when I get to heaven, it's going about the 14th question I'm going to ask. Because all we know him by is legions. We know the guy's real name, Ted Arnold. I don't say probably some weird Bible name you can't pronounce. But we don't know the guy's real name. We just know he was called legions. You know where he went? To the feet of Jesus. So even if the devil was in power, where would he be? At the feet of the bride of Christ. Because we are his body. Hello? So he should be at our feet saying, please have mercy on me. So if the devil is loose in your life, he ought to be asking you for mercy. And you could choose to believe that and fight an invisible devil the rest of your life and testify about this and testify about that. But I ain't wasting my time because there are people who got to get saved. So it ain't the devil's fault people aren't getting saved. <laughs> so there's only one other side of this coin. It's my fault. Anytime there's a shortage, it's always on our end of the equation. Not on God's. God ain't withholding he ain't going to wait for some end time revival and open the floodgates so he can, oh, the Bible was right. No, no, that ain't what God's doing. 
because there's no grace for people to get saved. That's why teenagers don't transition from the youth group to big church. Because we're in a youth group, they can have sex and smoke dope and do whatever they want to. And y'all's like, those teenagers, we're going to love them. We're going to pray for them, praise God. We're going to feed them pizza. We're going to take them to bowling alley. They turn 19. You better quit having sex and smoking dope. Come sit in the big church and act like you got it all together just like us. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, yeah. These kids are freaked out. They're like, I've been sleeping with my girlfriend and another person's girlfriend and maybe my boyfriend too and going to youth group and the Holy Ghost showed up and I was blessed and we were getting blessed and I was worshiping and everything's okay. I go to big church. They got to act like I got to have it all together. I don't want to mess with that mess. No grace. Ain't the devil. I don't know who's y'all, where y'all been, but my Bible says he was defeated. We've been celebrating it for Easter for 2,000 years. I have no grace to transition life. Oh, we'll give old sister so-and-so, brother so-and-so, who uh, had some marriage problems, we'll give them grace. Right? What about the pastor? You want to give the pastor some grace? We're going to vote him out. Hey, listen, uh, you know, pastors ain't supposed to have that problem. Really? You got problems. <clears throat> That's why you laugh so much, because these times aren't so fun. Because, see, salvation is not just getting pardoned. Salvation is relationship. Right? Salvation is atonement. Salvation is adoption. Now, I got to cheat a little bit because I've adopted some kids. Listen, they're my kids. They can't divorce me. They're legally more my kids than my natural-born kids. My kids can divorce me. These kids can't. True story. I got to give them some grace. Also, they got real parents' places. I got to give them grace. They got real grandmas and nieces and nephews and uncles. I got to give, all of a sudden, Brother BJ, I got to give a lot of grace. And I thought, if I'm doing it, so are you. True story. The deal is, is the church has got the grace bound up. When God spoke this to me, I was watching a PBS documentary about the black church in America. And God said, they were talking about when God emancipated the slaves and they desegregated the churches. And God said, my grace is still segregated and it still needs emancipation. And he said that what the church needs is the emancipation of my grace. Because we're holding it in bondage. And if you don't think we are, do you remember... There was a guy named Tyndall and some other guys who took the Bible from Latin to English. They burnt that boy at the stake, buried him, dug up his bones, I believe, and, and burned them again. All he wanted to do was give the Word of God to people. That same spirit is still within us, trying to withhold from the people what God gave freely, which is His grace telling you. It ain't your church. It's just, it just that, that when you become a Christian, you're, you're susceptible to the religious spirit. The lost world ain't. It's us. You don't think the church has a problem with the religious and the political spirit. You need to rewind your VCR tape and watch the last presidential race. You don't think the political spirit has an influence in the church. I don't care if you vote. I don't care who you vote for. But are you giving grace to anybody? 
Real grace scares the religious spirit. We believe the Bible says this, where grace abounds, sin will much more abound. That's how we pretend. Because I guarantee you, if I give them teenagers grace, it's going to be nothing but sex, drugs, and rock and roll. We can't give them grace. They will abuse that grace and be sinning and sinning and sinning and sinning if we preach that kind of grace. Does the Bible say where grace abounds, sin much more abounds? What does your Bible say? It's what we think when people talk about grace. Oh, if we talk about grace, they'll just be out there cheating. Listen, i got all kinds of grace. The reason I don't cheat on my wife is not because it's sin. It's because I got 24 years invested with her. I wouldn't trade that for nothing. I realize the value of my investment in this relationship. That she can cheat on me. I don't care. I'm going to be there in the morning. I'll roll the dude out of the bed. I might be mad. I might whoop him. It might, my day might take me to jail. But I'm going to be in her bed the next day. You can laugh. But she stayed in my bed. And she didn't even know Jesus. And she gave me grace. The most grace I ever received in my life came from somebody who didn't know how to spell Jesus. The most love I ever received in my life came from somebody who wasn't raised in church. We churched her up and taught her how to withhold grace and withhold love in the name of Jesus. Where there's great grace, there is always the possibility of great evil. So what we've done is because we're scared of evil, we stopped giving grace. So guess who that puts in control? Evil. You're not led by the Spirit of God. You're led by the sin consciousness. So scared. Oh, Listen, I got the grace to do whatever I want. Me and my wife could be doing the most ungodly stuff in our home last night. You wouldn't even know it. True story. People love Jimmy Swaggart. Right? You think that was the first prostitute he ever was with the night he got caught? No, no way. He was sleeping prostitutes preaching the gospel. People getting healed and saved while he was sleeping prostitutes. He didn't get caught the first time. Have you ever got caught the first time? Think! What kind of grace are you getting? I could see into your life like Jesus does. What kind of grace are you getting? And then we got other people that need grace and we're scared they might sin. What have you been doing with the grace of God? People rising up out of the grave? Are our churches are we knocking the walls out because people are standing in line only? I know I'm not saying shame on us. I'm just saying what can we do when we release the grace of God? You know why we need that grace? We are so focused on what might happen if we get grace like that to kids and to new Christians that we forget that without grace, I'll never be over to overcome who I used to be. So when I withhold the grace of God because I'm scared of what might happen, what I'm doing is I'm withholding the grace of God that people need to cover their past. Because your past is the only place the enemy can go to lie to you about your identity. And if I don't have the grace of God to cover my past, then it gives the devil an open door to grab something of my past and bring it to my present and say, this is who you really are. 
So when I limit the grace of God, I'm opening the door for the enemy into somebody's past so he can go there, find the old dead identity, drag up that lie to my future present right now and say, this is what you look like because there's no grace for this. Because if there's no grace for what's ahead, there's no grace for what's behind. Nobody wants to get saved because they don't think they can overcome what they've done. They're not worried about what they can do tomorrow. They're worried about who they used to be. And we're withholding the power for them to overcome their past because we're scared about what giving that grace is going to do to their future. If they abuse the grace, then apparently they weren't sons or daughters anyway. It doesn't matter. If they abuse the grace of God and trample it underfoot, then they're not sons or daughters. They were headed down that road anyways. It didn't cost me nothing. It's limitless. So why not give it away anyways? What am I scared? They're going to jump higher on the sinner scale? If I give them grace? Oh, they went from smoking dope and having two girlfriends. Right? Now they got a sex change and got seven girlfriends because I gave them grace. Oh, no! What are we thinking? And we're so worried about what so-and-so might do that the guy that's sitting in your church who's trying to overcome a past doesn't believe he has enough grace to be somebody who can speak to teenagers or speak to adults or go to the jail or clean the bathrooms or even talk to people about Jesus or even look himself in the mirror and think he's saved. Because we got the grace of God bound up. We didn't even think, let me tell you. This is not easy to learn. So my son, I told you, was he got stabbed. It was his fault because he can't keep his mouth shut. And when you live that lifestyle, that's what happens. The Bible said before the wages of sin is death. What do you expect? But on the other end, I'm a Christian. The Bible says those who, oh, I hate this. Those who persecute you will do evil unto you. He said, don't repay evil for evil, but repay evil for good. Bless those, pray for them. That's the worst scripture in the Bible right there. I guarantee you. You laugh, but it isn't. So what do you got to do? So this kid stabbed your son, three guys, attacked him, stabbed him, put him in ICU for three days. And while you're there in the bedside, thinking his other lung could collapse and he could die, God starts talking to you about forgiveness. The cops come to you and say, are you going to press charges? God says, you better not press charges. You'll ruin these boys' life the rest of their life. They're just teenagers. This will haunt them, destroy their future, destroy their enlistment to the military. You've got to forgive them. Begin to pray. Now listen, my house, we just don't go. I look my boy in the eye. After he got home, he's wanting to listen because my family's outlaws. So we load up and we used to do stuff until Jesus. And Jesus made me a wussy. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> and so my son kind of was looking at me like, all right, Daddy, I see what you do before. Now, because he's seen me drag people out of their house and throw them off the front porches and make them beg for forgiveness to these boys right here. I've done that being saved. Don't get me wrong. I don't always give grace. You, you don't come to my house. 
and steal from one of my foster kids living next door to me, I'll kick your door open and drag you out. And then have to repent and bless you anyway and give you some money and make you eat dinner at my house. That's what happens. <laughs> that true story. Jesus and my wife know this kid's still asking me for money because he knows I bless those. Because, see, the truth is, you should know the difference whether you're my enemy or my friend. I should treat you the same. But what happens is, <clears throat> is when I begin to bless and love this kid, I told my son, hey, this is what me and your mom decided to do. He hated me for it. Broke connection. We made it through addiction. We made it through him stealing cars, totaling out three vehicles like in 18 months. We made it through everything, and we kept that connection strong. Me and my wife worked hard to keep that connection. When I started blessing and praying for those people that attacked him, it offended him so bad. I don't know about you, but when you love somebody, and they're the main focus, the reason you serve Jesus is to give that inheritance to them, and you lose that because of what Jesus told you to do, you're talking about being in the middle of something. We're talking about that kind of grace. I'm not just up here preaching some message that Jesus told me. Woo, hallelujah. I'm talking about I've done this and it's cost me. Thank God that he's doing good. He's a daddy now. Lives next door to me. We talk every day, hug and kiss goodbye. Things are back to better than they've ever been. But there for a while, I thought my son's going to die. He's not going to know how much I love him. He's going to think I, I don't love him because I didn't run and kick somebody's door in, right? Ugh, you did this. Ugh. So he's not going to think I love him. And he's going to die in his sin thinking I didn't love him because of the way I pray and bless somebody. We need to show some grace. We need to give favor to people who don't deserve we need to give people the opportunity to really blow it with us and with Jesus. Now, you can have boundaries. Don't get me wrong. But you should set those boundaries afterwards, not before. Giving grace has always been a hard thing in the church. We see Peter. He's in that room. Blanket comes. They tell him, hey, go to the Gentiles. He can eat anything. He goes to the Gentiles. They receive the Holy Ghost. Powerful encounter. He comes back to the church. All they're worried about is you ate with them. No grace. It's always been our problem. My problem. Always been. Church is about 40, maybe 10 years old right then. Power encounter. And then, oh, wait, we're going to have grace to eat supper with those folks. One more example of the Bible, because my examples are very poor compared to the Scripture. A guy comes, son's in the pig pen, daddy's at home, comes running, he kisses him, he gives him shoes and a robe and a party. The other son gets mad and offended, doesn't show up. Son that threw away his inheritance, looked into the father's eyes and seen grace and believed about himself, of what the Father was doing. That's what people need. They need to look into our eyes and believe about themselves what they don't know. The other son talked to the servant, 
looked into the servant's eyes and missed out. Are we going to be servants of grace or fathers of grace? He missed out. He could have went to the father and said, hey, dad, why are we throwing this party? And in an instant, he would look in his eyes and see the love that his father had for this other kid. And then all of a sudden, he'd have been remembered about the love he had for his brother. And there'd have been a stirring and the whole family had been reunited. But he didn't want the father's advice. He'd want the servant's advice. And that's what's going on. You've been listening to this man too much and worried about what he says. You need to get in your Bible and your prayer closet and get a hold of the Holy Ghost. And if you ain't praying in tongues, you need to ask until the day you die so you can. And then you're going to have the father's version of who you are. And you'll realize how much grace he's given you. And then when Jesus starts sending people to you, you'll know I've got to give everybody grace because I see the grace I've been given by the Father and I can't stop giving it out. It doesn't matter. I'm telling you. Because after you give that kind of grace to your enemy, it opened my home. And God started sending me these boys that needed some love. I thought, this is going to be natural. And I told him, you can ask that boy in the green shirt. I told him, I said, listen, as long as you never attack my wife or my daughters, you'll always have a home here. Nothing else will trespass my love or grace for you. That's what I told him from like day four. He's been there three years. He got my last name now. Now it's even better than that. I'm telling you. When you, when you get filled with the grace of God, God won't have to send you people to give grace. You'll go hunt people down to give grace too. So ain't that what Jesus did? Did we go to heaven and meet him or did he come to us? When you get filled with the grace of God, you will go to people. And then you will love them. I am going to go Old Testament on you just because I like it whenever... I can use the Old Testament for the New Testament stuff because it gets stuck in me until the holy, where they just crawl right here and they choke to death right on it. Right in the church. I can remember the scripture now. That, wait, wait. I want to do, <laughs> I want to do even better. I'm going to read to you a version of the Bible that you don't even know exists. No, I'm just kidding. It's called the Passion Translation. Get one. Get one, right? It says David's Confession, Consecration. Says Psalms fifty one twelve says, Let my passion for life be restored, taste and joy in every breakthrough you bring to me. Hold me close to you with a willing spirit that obeys whatever you say. Listen, this is what he says. This guy had raped his best friend's wife and murdered his best friend. This is what he wrote. This is what God put in the Bible for you. He was to behold the mercy and grace of God through people. There was no Jesus when this guy wrote this. And it'll be in here for eternity. This is the written word of God. The lamb has this inscribed in his DNA. For he is the word of God. So whatever was added to him is with him forever. Do you not understand that? He has been added to daily because the word is living. And as the word expands, so does the body of my Savior because he is the word. He says... Then I can show to other guilty ones how loving and merciful you are. Now listen to what he says. They will 
find your way back home to you. Knowing that you will forgive them. David trusted that if he showed the grace, the mercy, and the love of God to people, they wouldn't need a roadmap on how to find Jesus. The prodigal son, nobody went to him and told him where his house was at. They didn't give him the Roman roads of how to find Jesus. The Bible says the Old Testament and the New Testament, when we demonstrate the kindness, the mercy, the grace of God, they will find their way. The problem is we don't trust who Jesus is. He is grace. Love is a person. When you love somebody, you give them a person. It's time we trusted that person to do his job and love people in such a way that Jesus, who is love, will lead them home. It's the truth. It's the truth. With my whole life, I've been saved 21 years this year. In February, preach on red on love. Nine years. Not trusting that he's a person. That if I give somebody love, I give them a person. Doesn't the Bible say God is love? So you give, if you love somebody, you give them God. No, 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 no. Give them love. Trust that it's God. David said so. And there was no Holy Spirit on the earth. The Bible says to lead them to repentance. There was not that spirit with David. If we could just give people grace once again. It is his own romance. The only signs the church should be given is the ones and miracles. They don't need, and I'm not trying to get on you, I'm saying. They don't need scripture signs. They don't need ABCs. They need a demonstration of his grace, which is the greatest miracle ever, is the grace that I received. It's the greatest miracle. It's the greatest. If you knew my life, it's the greatest. It's the greatest that I get to do this. Do you not realize how awesome it is to open this and read it in my language? That men died and they burnt their bones because they wanted to take the word from Latin to English. There was the church. We have grace to read the word of God. Read the word of God. I have the grace to blow it with my sons. To blow it and act in violence and anger, and bitterness, and they still love me back. I have the grace to offend my wife. I've been with her 24 years. I don't love nobody else but Jesus more than her. She is my idol. She is what I have to repent for the most because I put her before God. I'm telling you, I love her more than anything, but I offend her. There's grace that our marriage is so strong. She gives, she gives me grace. Now, Jesus, <laughs> this guy, he never sinned. He was never offended. For 2,000 year, years, the church has been going on. It was called the Dark Ages because of the church, and he's never been offended at us. We used to segregate people by their skin color. Those people are in heaven. 
Those pastors who wouldn't preach to a congregation because of color, those people are in heaven. Because of his grace. There was people within this country, we had a civil war. Killed hundreds of thousands of young boys. Because it was grace. The only reason you would doubt the grace of God is because you don't know him. Who he wants you to know. I just want to close Lord, I just thank you. I'm not trying to radicalize anything, Jesus. I'm just trying to unveil who you are. I only have one way. And it's through me. I'm so glad that you're in me. It's a hard thing you ask of us, Jesus. It's hard. It's the hardest thing you ask of Jesus is for us to give grace. I don't know why it's so hard to give away something freely that I receive freely, but it is. It's not a gift. It's like a muscle. It has to be exercised and practiced. You can't pray. Say, Lord, give me the gift of grace and I'll just give it to everybody. No, you got to exercise that spiritual muscle. And God's so, so good to us, usually we get to exercise it with people that we go to church with. But sadly, I'm not still in love with some of the people that I was with when I first got saved because I didn't give them grace. I might even have unforgiveness. Good Christian folks that are changing the world, sharing the gospel, that are anointed, powerful, called, ordained, we can't even give them grace. got to practice. Try with your wife. Give her grace to be a bad cook. Give your kids grace to be bad at something. Most of us need to look in the mirror. Give yourself grace for who you used to be. It's so great because I forget. I run around this world like I've been perfect my whole life because God's grace is so good to me. I forget what a loser idiot I really used to be. And it's none of your business. But it's worse than you. Guaranteed 100%. That's how come I could give grace to my sons is because I received that grace. They wrecked three, one son wrecked three cars in 18 months. I had to give him grace. You know what I did? I gave him keys to another one. You think you're an idiot. I think that kid comes over to my house crying about the Holy Spirit now. He's 20 years old. He works with grown adults. They're having Holy Ghost prayer meetings before they go to work. And I don't even know the depth of his relationship. I don't care. He's probably still smoking marijuana and cigarettes and having a beer whenever he wants to. But the power of God is moving in such a way that it's convicting those men and they're getting set free and they're worshiping all the time. I could care less about what's going on in his life. I just know there's grace there and I just want to be a part of it. You need to know there's grace for you, your past. Maybe I, me as the church, not this church. Hear me, please, please, please. Maybe we, I, have not done a good job of showing you grace, but there is so much grace that God sees you as unfallen. Atonement means you have the righteousness of the Father himself. 
Everything about your life says not guilty. Says not guilty. The truth is, is Jesus set himself up to be duped. Because he can't remember what happened yesterday. You ask for forgiveness, he doesn't remember. It doesn't matter if you've done it 132 times or 7 times 70 yesterday. When you ask forgiveness, he's going to start out tomorrow and see you as the unfallen child, the righteous one of the Father, the most beloved, his favorite. That's how good God's grace is. I may see you and say, you need a boundary because you are bringing destruction in my life. But the grace of Jesus Christ sees you as the unfallen son. As the prodigal who returned, he's waiting with a kiss and a robe and puts you in charge of the party. And making everybody else jealous because he's celebrating you. That's the grace of God. Yesterday, you were destroying people's lives, your own, your family, your children's, and today, you're celebrating with a calf. That's what Jesus does. And I'm so glad he done it for me. I'm so glad that there's that limitless grace. Because I'm going to need it. You know why? Because God's going to tell me to stop and give somebody a ride. And I'll be like, this is going to be sin for me. It's going to be sin for me not to pick up the hitchhiker. It's going to be sin for me not to pray for that person. It's going to be sin for me to not to give that amount of money that God tells me to. Because the Bible says, for those who know to do good, and do it not. It is sin. You need to quit warning about old covenant. The new covenant is so strong that you're going to need the Holy Ghost, Jesus, God, your mama, a prayer team, two versions of the Bible, and five good worship songs just to make it through tomorrow. Because he said, if you know to do good, whatever level, if good to, good to you is not keeping your mouth shut. That's not grace. Grace is an adverb. It's action. It's stepping towards somebody, doing something for them. Keeping your mouth shut and not telling them what's on your mind is not grace. That's self-control. Grace is moving toward them, remember? Toward them. Jesus came for us. Emmanuel. I love you, Jesus. I thank you for this house where I can have freedom to be myself and take great risks. I thank you for this house. I thank you for this house. I thank you for this house. Thank you for this house. I thank you for this house. I thank you for this house. That I can take great risks. I can make mistakes and learn a better version of my identity. Learn to be who I am in you. I thank you for the mercy and grace within this house. I can feel comfortable and be myself. I'm so empowered by the grace that's here. Thank you, Jesus, for the grace these people are giving me this morning. Let me return that to the people I go to work with tomorrow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All I have found is a love that remains. A love that remains. He told Kobo you Thank you for grace. Thank you for grace. Thank you for your grace. When I had turned away, your love had never That's what he does, church. He, when Holy Spirit shows up like that, the Bible says they were astonished. It's not me, it's him. It's, he astonishes us. How'd you like to know how this? When the God sets the bar like this, you have to live up to it. I want to see people saved. I want to see people born again. I don't care what they look like or how they act when they come. 
I just want to see them born again. Whatever I got to do to see people born again, I'm willing to try it. I will make mistakes. I will make them with you or without you, in front of you or out of your sight. But I will take risks and I will make mistakes. That's why there's an advocate in front of the Father saying, hey, BJ is pretty goofy. He's kind of zealous and he's really stepping out there. Give him some grace. And you need to back your pastor because he wants to do those same things too. He wants to do those things. He wants them to take a great risk and it all fall apart and cost you $10,000. You better celebrate, stand up, dust yourself off, and do it again. And give him some grace. No, Brother Marty, long time. He comes there before you and lets you do what you want to do. He's giving you some grace. The grace that he received because he ain't always had the freedom to do those things himself. He ain't always had the people, the power, or the understanding to do it because we were taught different. Right? We learned some difference. Now, listen, we're just, we got free. We won't do anything. <laughs> this is just a facade. This just keeps the fakers away. Because if I cut my hair and put on a suit, I have to deal with all of the fakers. I just, this keeps them out of the way. I get tired of getting by the place and be like, well, you don't want to act like you look. I'll fix that problem. Now the, now the package on the outside kind of resembles the package on the inside because you kind of know. Because I've been in those places where you're like, revival's over for you. Thank you, brother. I'll see you. Wait four days in the hotel room for your plane to leave because they weren't ready. Because they were basing stuff on looks. I fixed that problem. See, what you see is what you get. I love you. I don't know how you guys do. I'm sorry. I, no, I'm not sorry. I'm glad you got to hear the word of the Lord this morning. And I just ask you that, that if whatever was in me, you don't take something from this. Because you, you see people I don't get to see. The guy come this morning, I don't know where Justin's at. He comes in and says, can I have your brother's phone number? You better believe it. I give my brother's phone number to every Christian that asks. I got about 13 people in my life that I really have to watch about sinning for. You know what I'm saying? Like my son, like I said, they hurt somebody. I, my brother, one of them, I just got one brother. But he's my little brother. He's almost 40, but he's still my little brother, right? I go see him about once a week. One of these days he'll come down and go say, Listen. Do you know about the grace of Jesus? And I say, yes. Yes, I do. I do, but you tell me about your version. Let me hear about what, how God gave you grace. And old Justin comes, he asks. So see, there's years giving people grace that I've been praying for for 21 years. People in this church are being taught about grace. They're going to love on my brother. You're loving on somebody. Maybe it's a person at work. I'm just telling you. Jesus can't come back till we get it right. He's not waiting on it to get bad. He's waiting on it to get right. I got kids that's going to have kids. I'm going to leave them to something, Brother Marty. 
And it's not going to be a pew and an altar and a building that's been here for 130 years. It's going to be an inheritance of grace. 